Thank you. Good morning, everybody. So uh, pull up a chair at our virtual round table. You are very welcome. Um, so Karina gave me these questions to set us thinking and chatting before she gives us the message. Um, and if you've listened to the playlist for today, you'll notice the last song was Let It Go. I won't sing it to you, but I bet you it's in your head right now. Uh, so if that, that is the song that is your first clue for this morning, let it go is your first clue. And here are the questions. What does the phrase letting go mean to you? How has this been a good thing? How has this been a hard thing? And what has been gained or lost in letting go? And I'm going to respond to that just while you're thinking. Um, and just so you know, um, I'll be editing this recording for our podcast, which is our very public space. Um, so uh, I'll include my response. And if you want to have your response included as well on the podcast, you just need to let me know. Otherwise, I am going to automatically edit out what you say from that podcast. So it's an opt in rather than an opt out. So if you contribute in a minute and you want to be included in the recording, then just let me know that you want in and I will leave it in there. Um, otherwise, I will just edit out what you shared. OK, I'm stalling. I'm stalling because uh, my response to this question was to run away and run away very, very far. But here we are. Um, I chose wholehearted as my word for this year. Uh, and um, if you've been around here any length of time, you'll know that emotions are not my specialist subject. I often have no idea how I'm feeling. And even if I have identified how I'm feeling, I've got no idea what the word is for it. Um, and I feel like my word for this year of wholeheartedness is to an invitation to step into feeling all of it. Um, every part to uh, there's a there's a feeling wheel you can get on the Internet. And my, I feel like my invitation is to step onto the wheel and explore the different parts. So um, in the sense of exploring the messy, here's what the phrase letting go means to me. Um, you might know me well, you might have walked with me for the last uh, eight years or so, but if you haven't, um, seven years ago, I was diagnosed with myalgic encephalomyelitis, commonly and crassly known in a very reductionist way as chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, I have chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalomyelitis, and a cluster of other things that together reduce my capacity to about 50%. Um, at the start, my functioning was reduced to about one useful hour a day, but I have rested it back. I was going to say I'd worked it back, but I think actually that's the, that's the antithesis of what it is. I've rested it back to being around six hours a day, um, and it has been a whole lot of letting go. Uh, I am a three on the Enneagram. I am all about doing and achieving, and I'm very capable, and this illness has kind of undermined all of that at every turn. There has been letting go in every area. Physically, I can't exercise. Um, I would, uh, I loved racket sports, swimming, bike riding, hiking, all those things. They are no longer uh, doable. Socially, um, it has meant letting go of extra things like hanging out, like um, uh, eating meals with friends where I don't have the opportunity to lie down halfway through. Intellectually, it's meant that even if I consider studying, my brain just can't do it. Uh, I, I can listen better than I can read now. I can't read quite so well. Um, spiritually, there are things that I've let go just because it's not possible to hold on that to that level of certainty when you hear God 
say everything will be well and you're like mm, maybe not emotionally yeah, as I said I'm not very good at that um explorationally I like I haven't been able to go places that I'd like to and dreams so my life has dramatically changed I used to be able to go all day all evening and get up and do it again and it's been a hard thing to wrestle this thing effectively to play well, to do and not do, to rest and to play, to learn and to rest, to work and to rest, and everything is punctuated by rest. So that's for me. Um, this phrase letting go for me was instantly about my health and how I expected my life to turn out. And it's been different than what I thought. So I probably stalled long enough for you to think, what does the phrase letting go mean to you? How has it been a good thing? How has it been a hard thing? You can just unmute yourself, pop in and speak. And that will be great. Karen will try and highlight you, but. I'm gonna put the side by side gallery on so I can see what's going on as well. So uh, if you wanna hop in and say anything, what does the phrase letting go mean to you? How has it been a good thing? How has it been a hard thing? What has been gained or lost in letting go? I'll pop in and uh, see that letting go for me has been letting go of a whole bunch of uh, religious uh, thoughts and um, teachings that were not necessarily uh, learned, but Pretty much were a part of the, the, the framework of growing up uh, in the church. So letting go means to me um, just saying, no, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I believe that anymore. And uh, it's been a good thing in the sense that uh, it's kept me away from a whole bunch of judgment that I used to have. Hmm. Uh, that is so freeing. Uh, how's it been the hardest thing? Every once in a while, things start popping up and you kind of go, ouch, I used to act like that, say that. Um, now I'm not even impressed with that attitude anymore. Mm. Uh, so it's a, it's kind of a, a jab in the ribs that, uh, yeah, I'll bite my lip on that one. Ask for forgiveness. Uh, what's being gained? My world has opened up so that it's very large now the uh, opportunity to have friendship with all different uh, cultures and backgrounds and um, the freedom to interact with anybody of a different race, color, ethnicity. Um, yeah, it's been a beautiful thing. Cool. I know for me, when I think of letting go, I think of welcoming prayer specifically. It kind of has like this three-step formula where you notice and then you welcome whatever unpleasant feeling or emotion that you may have. And then the idea is letting go of certainty and control. Um, and that's kind of the prayer. And I, I've liked that prayer. 
Um, however, it's been hard at times to um, feel, at first I thought I needed to let go of the thing that I just welcomed. So that was an important distinction. Like I was welcoming, let's say sadness. And that's like, now let it go. And I'm like, hold up. I just, I just, I feel like that's not the point. Um, and so for a while, letting go didn't make sense. But as of right now, it's been really um, important for me to think of when I'm thinking of letting go um, is allowing myself to let go of control, things that I do feel comfortable with in the moment, but also being okay with the things that I'm not quite ready to let go of. Um, some I, I want to get her done. I want to like rip off the band-aid when it comes to like, I know I shouldn't, I don't know, let's go with the control one. I know I shouldn't want to have control in this moment, but dang it, it's all I've got right here in this moment. And maybe I can be compassionate with myself in this moment of not being able to let go. And so that's kind of one of those good things, hard things. I've um, being able to soften my approach to letting go has been really helpful. And in some cases, suddenly I'm able to be like, oh, I don't need this in the same way. And sometimes it's like, oh, I still do. <laughs> but I'm able to be kinder to myself in the in the process. So, um, yeah, that's that's me. Well, thank you to everybody who uh, said something this morning. That's uh, that's cool. Um, letting go. I love that. Letting go of being right or the need to be right. That's um, that's really important. So, um, yeah, thank you, everybody, for sharing. And while we're around the table, we'll pass it over to Morgan, who's going to lead us in communion. All right, everyone. Um, so feel free to gather your elements. Um, today I wanted to try something different. Lately, I've been playing around with communion. I know they say don't play with your food, but I was like, they don't say anything about playing with the idea of communion. So haha, that's what I'm going to do. Um, the reason why I've been doing this lately is because it, it never quite made sense to me as a kid. At first it was like, I get to like eat bread and juice like the grownups. And then I learned along the way, it's like, oh, about sinful repentance. And it just wasn't a great combination for me. And so I've been trying to let go of that, tying in, adding jokes. I'm great at this. Um, so anyways, I've been playing around with the idea. And so today I thought what I would do is I, I found a, an icon, a picture uh, from Scott the Painter, who um, our church is familiar with. And I just welcome you to, when we look at this um, picture, we'll look at it for about a minute. And we'll just notice what you notice. Um, it's colors or shapes or something that's happening in your body. Um, you just can notice it. I know for me, I often get in my head, but I find imagery helps um, get out of my head. So you can just notice those things. And then I'll close off with um, uh, a way so you can know if you haven't eaten the, your elements yet, you can do that so it's not awkward and you're shoving it in your face. Um, but yeah, I'll start that right now and you can, we'll, we'll try it out. So hopefully that's working for you guys.
Look, the body of Christ is broken for the life of the world. Here is Christ coming to us in bread and wine. Take and eat. May the bread restore our strength, giving new energy to tired limbs, new thoughts to weary minds. May the wine restore our souls, giving new vision to dry spirits, new warmth to cold hearts. Many grains were gathered to make this bread. Many grapes were mixed to make this wine. So we who are many and have come from many places are now one in Christ. The peace of Christ be with you. And now I get to pray for my mom. Dear God, thanks for mom. Thanks for moms everywhere, um, but especially this mom. I pray that you will give her, I don't know, calm, peace, clarity, all that good stuff. And yeah. May we be willing to listen and to be challenged and allow ourselves to be in that uncomfortable space um, when we are challenged and learn to let go. <laughs> All right. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Morgan. Uh, it's good to be with you. I'm just going to pull up my words here. Mm, not that one. Here we go. All right. So yeah, I loved your thoughts in the conversation on letting go and what that means for you. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a question that I, that I return to often. So it was interesting to have it come up in studying for um, preparing my sermon for this week. So like Eden mentioned, from this time till Easter, we're focusing on Jesus at the center. And one of the things that I love about Jesus is the way Jesus is always asking good questions and inviting us to see things from a different angle. And that is part of the beauty of this lectionary, the, um, the women's lectionary for the whole church by Wilda Gaffney. She is really good at bringing fresh perspective, different translation and inviting the reader to notice different things than maybe we would have before. And so this idea of shifting perspectives, reframing and rediscovering good or better news seems to be the way of Jesus and is demonstrated over and over again in the life of Jesus, including the stories around his baptism, which we are reading about today. So I felt a real invitation to be curious about the text and kind of see where it took me. So I'm really hoping that uh, like, you're just going to join me on this journey of like what I noticed and that it will spur curiosity of your own. And I'm looking forward to hearing that from you at the Q&R at the end. And I guess one of my goals here is that um, for those of us that have histories well rooted in definitive answers and certainties, that we could remind ourselves that we are safe in this space rooted and grounded in the love of God. We are good people in good bodies, turning our attention towards the good news of Jesus together. And I want us to have permission to imagine that in addition to a faith that brings comfort because of what we feel like we know, or we think we know, and calm seas and beautiful moments of peace, that questions, doubt, and difficulty make room for growth and good news in us as well. 
So this week we're reading um, the epiphany number two from the women's lectionary for the whole church. And the text that we're focusing on comes from Matthew 3, 1 to 6, and then down to verse 11 to 17. So she translates it like this. In those days, John the baptizer appeared preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way, prepare the way of the most high, make God's path straight. Now John had for his clothing camel hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the men and women of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and the whole region of the Jordan, and they were baptized in the river Jordan by him, confessing their sins. And he says, indeed, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me is coming one more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into a granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it go now, for this is the way that is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John let it go. Now, when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God. She descended like a dove and came upon him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Now, I am sorry for how many of you are going to have uh, the Adina Menzel earworm stuck in your brain for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> Basically, this is a sermon where the words of Jesus, let it go, just jumped out at me the first time I read it through. And then once I saw it, I couldn't stop seeing it in all these myriad ways that letting go is happening in places all over the story. Like we can let go of a piece of clothing or shoes that no longer fit, an idea, a belief, sometimes a relationship. Letting go can be an easy thing, a hard thing, moving towards a good thing, or making a change that feels scary and full of unknowns. It can fill us with joy or put us in touch with sorrow and grief. Sometimes letting go feels like a choice, and other times it feels like the last thing you'd like to do, but you just have to do it. It turns out letting go is a big part of what it is to be human, and so maybe it does deserve an anthem or two to help us get there. So let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go very often comes down to a situation that either kind of corners us into trying a new idea on for size or an experience that forces us to question or reimagine an idea we had before. I've noticed little kids often have to practice letting go a lot. I mean, they've got big people making decisions and plans and menus for them all the time without their input. It's just the way it has to be a lot of the time. And it puts them in a position where they need to let go of what feels like a logical plan for them and go along with what the big people in their lives need to do. Little kids can teach us a lot about learning to let go. And it's no wonder they sometimes put up a fuss, right? Letting go is hard. One time, I remember we were looking after a friend's kids for a week while they were away on vacation. And the littlest Schnertzky would have been like three years old at the time. 
And I guess their mom must have like read the kids the riot act about like not complaining or refusing to eat the food that Mrs. Lowen was going to feed them while they were gone. I didn't know this, but they got served their little plates of food and he took a couple of bites and leaned over to his sister and said, hey, this is actually good. Or another time I had one of my sister's kids over and I had made some kind of curry or exotic dish of some kind. And, and he was known to be a pretty picky, picky eater and he took a bite and his eyes lit up and he said, I thought it was gonna taste like garbage, but it tastes like candy. He let go of, I don't know, his belief that I was a terrible cook, that something unfamiliar would be gross. Whatever it was, his process of letting go has provided a family story that we love to remind one another of pretty regularly. I thought it was gonna taste like garbage, but it tastes like candy is high praise in our house now. Permission granted to all of you. So in reading this translation that gave me this let it go lens, I then actually picked up um, Sarah Rudin's translation of the Gospels, just because it's another really fresh perspective. And her translation says for this in verses one to three, in those days, John the baptizer arrived in the wasteland of Judea, he proclaimed this message, change your purpose because the kingdom of the skies has come near. This, in fact, was the man spoken of through Isaiah, the prophet, who said, the voice of someone shouting in the wasteland, prepare the Lord's road, make his beaten path straight. The first thing I noticed was that it says, change your purpose, for the kingdom of the skies has come near. I love this. And I, and I couldn't help but wondering if those who had come for John's baptism were drawn to this message. I mean, they've been surrounded and steeped in a culture within the church and within society that, you know, valued this hierarchy and sorting between the clean and the unclean, the wanted and the unwanted, the holy and the unholy, the in and the out. And I can just imagine what a compelling invitation that would have been for those who are often in chronically powerless and hopeless circumstances. Change your purpose. The goodness you are hoping for up there one day has come near. Very often that phrase change your purpose is translated as repent. And when I hear that word repent, my old programming kicks in. You filthy sinner, wander, wallow in misery at how terrible and worm-like and sinful you are because God is coming back to get you at any moment. Good news? Hardly. But by this letting go lens, it lets me see something different. And it starts with letting go of certain definitions and understanding. So the good news of Jesus got better when I let go of the idea that repentance is rooted in condemnation and instead embrace the liberation that repentance is really just the result of letting go, being freed from bad ideas lead to bad practices and behavior. The letting go of repentance changes your purpose from self-protection from an angry God to the invitation of healthy attachment where you are welcomed into a life of letting go and participating with God in bringing wholeness, restoration, and the justice of heaven from the skies into the world right now. That's super motivating and inspiring for me. I mean, I, mean, I spent so many years reading the Bible and praying for God to rescue me. And it's not to say 
that there's never an experience of being plucked out of difficulty and placed into goodness and delight. But if the kingdom is near, within reach, and we aren't just waiting for the sweet by and by while we throw up our hands and say, well, it's all supposed to go to hell in a handbasket before Jesus reappears. Let's just wait for the pearly gates. If the kingdom is near, what is my part in making way for that? What if things are getting worse because we've not realized that we're the ones we've been waiting for, given permission to create a good news world right now? I've had to let go of my damsel in distress theology and figure out that we are God's plan A to bring about God's justice and righteousness to the earth. Picturing the kingdom of the skies coming down within reach sounds a lot like good news for those that are suffering right here and now. But make no mistake, letting go of all fly away, oh glory, will cost you. But it might also set you free and make the world a better place. In Rudin's translation, it also says, the voice cries out from the wasteland, prepare the Lord's road, make the beaten path straight. The idea here is that this is a well-worn path. And it's one that God travels, bringing people from exile back into the promise. For the people of Israel who long had stories after stories about their, their cycle of like, displeasing and disobeying God and having to be sent away and then sent into exile and learn their lesson and then be granted passage back into the promised land where God was finally happy with them only for them to do it all over again. I wonder if this context made them rethink that picture. It's like I can almost picture the voice shouting, you've wandered into the wasteland again. You think you're lost forever and separated because you've earned it or you deserve it. But listen, this is God's well-worn path and she is coming for you. Like what mother would leave her kids lost and alone in a wasteland? How lost can you be if you're with your mom? Not very. Wouldn't that have been good news to be reminded of? A chance to let go of some limiting and unlovely beliefs? And I just want to pause and just say, I know that the wasteland feels like the land God forgot sometimes. Have you experienced that? May I interest you in some lament? That's allowed too. You've wondered what you did or how to get out, but what if we knew that even in the wasteland, even in our lament and frustration that God is there? It's like the psalmist said, even if I make my bed in hell, you are there with me. When things get hard and they will, when we feel alone and we do, when we get lost and we can, God's well-beaten path is not away from us till we get our crap figured out, but it comes toward us in our loss, our loneliness, and our pain, and walks with us as we find our way home again. And maybe we don't always get what we expect. Sometimes the journey is not one that we want. And I think it's okay to say you don't always like the wasteland you find yourself in. But I just wonder... The people who heard Isaiah's proclamation, what would they have to let go of? So this truth of God being towards them and bringing them back could sink in. What would you have to let go of if you knew that wherever you find yourself, even in the wasteland, that you don't have to walk it alone? What would it be like to believe that's true? Who, who would become the face of God to you? 
Could you let it still be the wasteland and experience God? Could, could both things be true? The verse continues. Now John had for his clothing camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. So here, we're letting go of the idea that John was cool and part of the in crowd of the religious system of the day, yeah? He was weird. And if you feel weird, welcome here, you belong. Anyways, carrying on. Then the women and men of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him in the whole region of the Jordan and they were baptized in the river Jordan by him, confessing their sins. I wondered what would it be like for people, especially the women who had very little choice and very little agency to choose the baptism that didn't require access to the temple, but happened in the flowing living water of the wilderness. What would they have had to let go of? It continues. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me is coming one more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is actually back to Gaffney's version here. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into a granary and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Am I the only one who grew up and, and heard this part and thought God's going to separate the good people from the bad people? Oh God, I hope I'm one of the good people. Well, here's something that might help you let go of that idea. It talks about the wheat and the chaff, right? Did you know that chaff is not its own thing? It's not. It's chaff is the scaly outer protective layer of a seed. It's necessary to protect the corn or the wheat or whatever in its development and growth. But when the plant is mature, the plant needs to let go of the chaff to make it fit for human consumption. It, chaff is something that in maturity no longer serves the wheat. Maybe you're like me and you have parts that protected you and kept you safe while you were growing but you no longer need it. It's not serving a purpose anymore. And I, I just know like if you spent any time in spiritual direction or therapy or coaching or just with a really wise friend, sometimes you'll realize you have ideas, beliefs, or ways of beings that made sense for keeping you safe when you were growing. But now it's not serving or helping you because you're grown up now, you can let it go. And to be baptized with the life breath of God and with fire, maybe that's actually a good picture of what freedom and purpose for the wheat looks like. Chaff is not the wheat. It's just no longer serving the purpose of growth. And, and it will, in fact, prevent the wheat from becoming all it was meant to become. So I imagine the wheat might be very glad to let go of the chaff, but it might need a winnowing fork, some help for the process. And the fire is a beautiful way of ensuring that what the wheat lets go of doesn't find its way back because it's just not needed. Letting go of the idea that God wants to destroy some and keep others. What a relief. What good news. This whole account of baptism, even the baptism of John, was this symbolic practice really of, of letting go, of being cleansed and renewed by living water. It happens when you tell the truth about how you've missed the mark. When you say, I thought God was angry and wanted to burn some people. And now I get to repent and change my purpose. I'm not trying to appease God and keep myself safe from him anymore. 
I'm living to let go of everything that doesn't serve the kingdom of the skies that is no longer up there, but here, near peace, righteousness, justice, goodness for all people. What a disruptive message of liberation. Baptism and participation in the kingdom is not limited by gender, ability, access to the temple. I think that's probably a big deal then, and it should be a big deal now. And then in the end, we finally get to the verse that started this whole thing for me. Then Jesus came to Galilee to John of the Jordan to be baptized by him. John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it go now, for the way is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John let it go. Now, when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God. She descended like a dove and came upon him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. What did John or Jesus ask John to let go of? I mean, he needed to let go of his objection. But what did that mean? What was his objection? It could be lots of things. Maybe maybe Jesus is like, you know what? Like, let go of this idea that you're not worthy. Let go of this hierarchy that keeps God way up here and you way down here. Let go of the idea maybe that God has needs. Jesus comes to be baptized by John. He needs this. And I just don't think it was this pretend show that he wanted our churches to have baptismal tanks built into them. It was more than a ritual. It's about a way of being. What if it was about our human God? Being human, letting go at the right time to step into the fullness of who he was. Can God be that human? Can he have needs? Would it make God less or more if God was vulnerable and had needs like us or need of us? Whatever it is, I really don't know. Jesus is baptized and the heavens open up and his spirit descends like a dove. Did you know? That the dove was like the all-access pass animal for the temple. Literally, everyone could afford a dove for a sacrifice in the temple. I think, I think that might be some really good symbolism for us. Jesus is this all-access pass. You want to know God? Get to know Jesus. He's disrupting things and giving us a new purpose. And I don't know. I, I don't think that Jesus planned this as his ministry launch event. I mean, it was, but I don't think that his was, it was his intention or just the result. It was more like the result of what happens when somebody hears, this is my beloved. I'm so pleased with you. You might start to take up more space and start disrupting status quo too, when you believe that's true. (sighs) What if that isn't just for Jesus, but for all of us too? What if production and doing all the right things isn't what brings God pleasure, but just being who we are brings God great delight? What if that's the best repentance of all? Learning to let go of everything that is not us and resting in our belovedness. I like to think it's true that Jesus grew in wisdom, like he was age appropriate in what he knew and experienced. Because if that was the way for Jesus, 
It can be the way for me and you and all of us. I remember for years, I pulled myself away from ministry and involvement in the church. I literally thought I was protecting God's good name by doing so. I mean, I asked too many questions. I was the wrong gender for church ministry. I would be responsible for sending people to hell. So, so my, because of my sinfulness, obviously. So my pulling away and self-silencing happened because a well-intended Christian leader told me that if I spoke out about abuse happening to me, it would make the church and Christians look bad. And my abuser might not say the sinner's prayer and that would be my fault. So I just needed to stay small and quiet and take it on the chin for Jesus. And I did, because the very small, insecure, and unstable God that I believed in required it. I said no over and over and over again, for God's sake, to protect God from having to be angry with me, hoping that I would turn out to be wheat and not chaff. What a relief to hear Jesus say to me one day, could you let it go? Could you instead give me your yes and believe that your inclinations and desires are not sins to overcome, but gifts and purposes to be developed? That was a big ask, Jesus. I mean, saying yes changed everything. Some of those changes were really good and easy to make. Some of them felt like a lot of loss. There has been so much to let go of since that day. Lots of wasteland and chaff to wade through. But also, the discovery of living water and a very secure God who is not flapped or diminished by me. Like, as if I could diminish God or by you. You can't either. We're not that powerful. And I'm still sure that there's more growth for me, more to let go of. Baptism isn't just a symbolic ritual, but a way I want to live. A life of letting go and saying yes to the freedom of living water. And isn't it amazing that Jesus didn't baptize himself? It was this community event. There were witnesses. There was John who helped Jesus, led him through the process. We get there together, friends. We witness our belovedness together. We come home to ourselves so that we can go out together and spread the joy of belonging and belovedness to a world that is weighed down by hierarchy, identifying themselves as chaff because they can't see the wheat marked by loneliness and loss in the wasteland. So I wonder, could we experience a baptism with Jesus this morning? The kingdom is within reach. God has a well-worn and smooth path to us no matter where we are. So I invite you into the baptism of letting go. If you want to, you can even close your eyes, put a bit of pressure on your heart so that you can connect to yourself and take a deep breath and ask, what can I let go of? Or what is my next step towards letting go? Remember, you don't have to let go of everything right now. This is, this is way more than a single event. I wonder if you can picture yourself being immersed in the living water, cool and fresh and full of life. And can you imagine the heavens opening and being given an all access pass to the light, the delight and the love 
of a good God, just for being you. You are enough. You bring God delight. You are God's plan A. There is no fear in being fully alive and no shame when we discover something we need to let go of. It's part of becoming fully human. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning and for all the ways you are with us in our letting go. May we be aware of how we are safely rooted in perfect love and there is nothing we could hold on to or let go of that can change your posture toward us or your love for us. And for all those little objections that would like to insert themselves in here to disqualify us, even that, even those things do not have the ability to change the dignity, worth, and value God has already conferred on us. We are your beloveds, God. We're your favorites. And we are learning to let go. Christ have mercy. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Karina. Whoa, what a challenge. Oh, my goodness. I'm just thinking of like uh, my heart's closet and how much stuff I need to go through just to, um, you know, be able to actually use the stuff that um, fits, looks good, right, the, the right color, all that stuff, right? And um, I, was, I was thinking while you were talking that, <clears throat> um, you know, letting go for me sometimes has been like, a dog with a ball in its mouth and someone like God is trying to grab that ball out of my mouth and I'm just gritting my teeth, right? Yeah. I will not let go and my head's getting the shit around. And anyways, it doesn't have to be like that. I like, I can go into the closet of my heart with Jesus and he will like Marie Kondo Uh, himself into my heart and all that needs to come and go and what brings joy and what doesn't bring joy. Anyways, that was a good challenge. Really good. Um, But I think we'll, we'll call it a day now. Um, And uh, I'll just leave you with a blessing now. And hopefully um, we can all just have a lovely, like somewhat half bright Sunday afternoon to enjoy. Um, But let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this community and thank you for um, all the permission that we are given over and over again to process and to let go and to um, define ourselves and to learn a new version of you. And uh, we ask that you would give us um, all kinds of... um, strength and energy to keep going in this. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you guys have a good week and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. We'll still be on Zoom for sure. See you guys. Have a great week.